0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host and incredibly aggressively white guy, Stephen Buja, and joining me, as always, the incredibly aggressively white lady, Amy Thomason. Amy, how are you doing?
1: Uh, feeling a lot of of liberal guilt.
0: Yes, and watching. why would that be? Because, folks, today... Us being white, clearly we are the uh, the ones who can give the best reasoning and critical thought to our film of the day, which is the latest entry in our very important movie franchise, the 2013 Best Picture winner, 12 Years a Slave, based on the memoir by... Solomon Northrop, a slave who a a black man, a free black man who was taken into slavery and kept there for twelve years and all, all that he endured. Uh so, so I mean, I feel like clearly, if anyone wants to talk about it, it should be us, right?
1: And I'm the palest human being you are that I've ever lived. Very
0: pale. You're like a like russian nesting doll thing
1: rosy i don't have a rosy hue as george costanza would say i don't have a pinkish hue i'm literally i have like blue under my skin and not
0: pink okay well i mean so i mean our credentials on this are clearly uh clearly accepted because of course they are it's our pod, it's our podcast we can we can we're do owning it wh- it.
1: we're saying yeah we're so,
0: we're saying not, we're not we're, we're trying, not trying to have, we're like this is a this is a, a critique of this film that is definitely coming from the liberal white position and if the you would like to not the
1: white privileged position oh my
0: god so privileged and if you would like to stop now feel free no harm done if you'd like to send us an angry <laughs> email about this you can also do that at OscarWatchPodcast at gmail.com. But for those of you who wish to stay, Amy, 2013, what is your history with this film?
1: Um, I saw this movie, uh, we rented it on Amazon. We, I did not see it in the theater because, as you will see later, there were a buttload of terrific, strong, wonderful films that year and food. I saw, I mean, even some of the other greats I didn't see until after the Academy Awards. But I also listened to the audiobook of 12 Years a Slave oh, after did. I saw the movie. Oh, splendid. Very, I don't want to say readable, because I listened to it on audio, listenable. Um. Really, such an interesting story.
0: Okay, that was my question, because I... Uh wasn't aware of this book as as being a book until this movie as mm-hmm. with most me books. neither um, so I guess before we get into anything how is there a great are there great liberties taken with Northrop's story as told in the book as to what happens in the movie, or is it pretty much like this is a very one for one accounting of the events in the book
1: I felt it was a good adaptation um this movie really and, – and growing up, and I did, I grew up in a very – so we studied slavery. I grew up in a very liberal area. We we studied slavery, things like that. Living in South Carolina, there's different perspectives yes. from people down here who – um, I went to graduate school, and there was a girl who said that – she grew up in North Carolina, and she said when she was in school, they didn't even study the Civil War. They didn't even call it the Civil War. They called it the War of Northern Aggression. <laughs> And they didn't want to stir things up, so they sort of glossed over slavery and the Civil War. And there are still towns in the South in 2000 that still had segregated proms. Because I know people who said that when they were in high school, there were segregated proms. At Strom Thurmond High School, by the way. Strom Thurmond, the guy who gave the longest filibuster in history against the rights amendment so yeah just saying it's living going I've lived for over 10 years in South Carolina now I lived for 20 years in New Jersey so I really have that I get I get the I've seen both sides and obviously I only agree with what I agree with the Yankees sorry everybody in the south but um this movie really took some different perspectives that I hadn't really thought about before. And in the the scene in the book and in the movie that I thought were the most heartbreaking were uh, the mother at the beginning getting separated from her child.
0: Eliza, yeah. When Eliza.
1: Um, Benedict Cumberbatch is like, I'll take the daughter too. And she's just begging and she's screaming. And in the book, it's, I was driving to work and I'm clenching my steering wheel. And I'm like, please. And It's one of those, even though I knew what ended up happening, I was still like, Maybe this time it'll be different. Maybe this time she'll get to be with her daughter. And no. And it really put a different perspective on it for me. Yeah.
0: So. Okay. Uh, that I'm glad you read it. Uh, it's definitely with uh, stories, especially historical narratives that are you know, nonfiction, it is, I'm always interested to hear how they differ. And because... So Much of some, especially so much of 12 years a slave, is caught up in the not necessarily the narrative of the story itself of Solomon North's journey, it's the uh, encapsulation of everything that occurs in the antebellum South. Uh, you know, the slavery, all the, the torture, and the just the dehumanization of all the folks. And you have to, and you're watching this, and like, this cannot have possibly happened all to this one man, but. It did, more or less.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That is uh, that is that is very. Uh, it 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 adds another layer of heartbreak to an already heartbreaking and gut wrenching story that we will of course talk about. Uh, myself, I saw this in the theater uh, when it came out. I believe it was. Uh, this was a this is definitely an, like an October, November, December Oscar season release definitely. film. Uh, again, 2013 was a, a very good year for movies. This, Virginia. but this, but this had the, this had the narrative at the time. I, you know, I joke about it being a very important movie because sometimes you just have the film where you're like, is, are we just awarding this because of what it is or because of its merits? And a lot of the debate about this film will go into that. It's like, is it actually a good movie? We will we'll talk about that. But it's also an important movie. And what, how much of each do you weigh in considering the best picture quality of that? And you can definitely say that at the time, uh, it was a lot of the a lot of the latter of how of how very important it was. That this been released now, oh my god, it would have been the most important movie of the of the Trump administration, shall we say? Yes. Uh, I remember. Uh, This is one of those films where I just saw it the once and felt satisfied. It's not—it's not necessarily a requiem or a mother where I go, you know, I don't need to see that movie again, as great as it is. But obviously, this is a movie where you bring your own perspective, as one should. You should always bring your own perspective. Like you, it is impossible to not bring one's own perspective into anything, but it will affect certain audience members differently than others, obviously it will have a great effect on you and me, as opposed to somebody who has had uh, ancestors related uh, uh, to slavery, who who were slaves, et cetera. It, so it, it brings up, a it's a, if nothing else, 12 Years a Slave is a conversation piece, has it been is. and it- always will be.
1: It reminds me of when I went to see uh, Schindler's List with my friend's Jewish youth group. Oh. So that definitely weighed into the mood of seeing the
0: movie. Definitely. I, I, I 12 Years a Slave strikes me as one of those R-rated movies that they would show in high school because it's important. Much like Schindler's List. Like,
1: they did. We had a whole day when I was in high school. But again depending on where you live. They would not play that movie down here in South Carolina.
0: Yeah, there's less than 12 years of life.
1: 12 well, really either. probably
0: both actually, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and well,
1: again, if for any of my friends in South Carolina listening, I'm not I'm not dissing you, but I, I I teach in a public school and I know that there are certain things that we don't really teach or that we try not to teach that yeah
0: you don't want to stir up controversy. All right. Stir up controversy and stir up. You said, you said uh, liberal guilt and there is you, we walk into this movie with guilt. We walk out with the whole, hell, the whole heaping more because uh, we are in some way complicit. I think everybody knows that we are in some way complicit. And I can, I can say, well, I'm a Yankee and blah, 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 but eh, it's, that, that's a, a weak ass offense. It, and, it's
1: tough. It's tough being a blue and a red state. I I was here a couple of years ago when they um were debating getting rid of the Confederate flag at the state house. Well, that must and that, that high school kid that shot up the church in Charleston. Yeah. The historically yeah. black church. He was from where the town where I live, by the way. He had gone to the high school where my friend uh taught. So that and that was a frightening time. So
0: it's been... Not to uh, give
1: too much personal history No, here, no, no. Saying, like,
0: that's,
1: that's kind of my perspective going into this, is I've really lived in two very different areas of the country for
0: that's significant time. I have been predominantly so. uh, Northeast Mid-Atlantic, like Northern Mid-Atlantic for all my entire life. So I come from a very holier-than-thou art world and i Focus all of my, uh, you know, my views through that lens, and it can be very, you know, as with anything. Whenever you have your worldview shattered or questioned, like Twelve Years a Slave forces you to do, it can be it can be troubling, uh, and it is a important thing to have to mm. have to do to go. Wait a minute. How am I? You know, I I didn't commit these acts, but how do I? propagate them in my own way how do I continue on the tradition of these some I believe this is a hundred this is 1840s so it's a hundred and seventy years after the fact and much has changed at least from the on the outside but there's still the inside you know it's 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 not the we're not breaking paddles over juwatel Ageophores backs anymore but we are looking at people suspiciously in stores still to this day we are treating folks differently even if even if we don't mean to we still have this reaction based on the the, guy the the guy
1: in new york city at the store who went on that guy who spoke spanish which again i stand by if you've got a problem with people speaking other languages new york city is not the place for you
0: I, i i go to the park every day and there are a dozen languages it's one of my favorite parts. Uh, it's great. Twelve Years a Slave was directed by Steve McQueen, written by John Ridley, based on the memoir by Solomon Northrop titled Twelve Years a Slave. It stars Chiwetel Ejiofor, Michael Fassbender, Lupita Nyong'o, Benedict Cumberbatch, Paul Giamatti in there for a hot minute, and a bunch of other smaller folks. You go, oh that guy, and then they're gone. But mainly it's Chiwetel Ejiofor. Uh, about again a man who was taken into slavery and uh later freed 12 years later one of the few to have ever escaped slavery in this way when we return from our short break we will talk about the academy awards it won at the 86th thank
2: you, thank you for this incredible honor you bestowed on our film tonight i uh i know I speak for everyone standing behind me that it has been an absolute privilege to work on Solomon's story and we all get to stand up here tonight because of one man who brought us all together to tell that story. And that is the indomitable Mr. Steve McQueen. Oh,
3: wow. I'm, so- I'm sorry. I apologize for the paper, but otherwise I'll just uh, bore you all. Well, maybe I'll do the same now, but I'll try not to. Um, i first like to thank the Academy. Thank you so much. Uh, there are a lot of people I need to thank, so I'll just push on. To the, my wonderful cast and crew, Plan B, Bla- Brad Pitt, who, without him, this fil- without him, this film would just not have been made. Diddy Gardner, Jamie Kleiner, and Antti Annie- Katagas. River Road, Bill Pollard, New Regency, Arnold Milcher, and Brad Weston. Film Four, to the great Tessa Ross and Fox Searchlight, Steve DeLula and Nancy Utley, and their fantastic team. My publicist, for the words, I'm sorry about this. Um, for hard work, April Lamb, and my magnificent a- agents. I have to say this to these all these women. I mean, I have all women in my life, and they're all the most powerful. My mother, obviously. But uh, this is Maha, Maha Diki. I um, can't even pronounce it. Maha, uh, forgive me, I'm just nervous, I can't pronounce your name, but Maha, you know who you are. Uh, Bess Warford, uh, Jenny Casarotto, uh, and, and Jodie Shields. Uh, just, just give me one more minute. I'd like to thank um, uh, this amazing historian, Sue Aiken, whose life she gave her life's work to preserving Solomon's book. I'd like to thank my partner, Bianca, who sticks to unearthing this treasure for me. Um, finally, I'd like to thank my mother. My mom's up there. Thank you for your hard headedness, mom. Thank you. And my children, Alex and Dexter, and my father, thank you. But this, the last word everyone, everyone deserves not just to survive, but to live. This is the most important legacy of Solomon Northup. I dedicate this award to all the people who have endured slavery and the 21 million people who still suffer slavery today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: The 86th Annual Academy Awards took place on March 2nd, 2014. Ellen DeGeneres was the... That year, once again, Twelve Years a Slave was the—I don't want to say big winner. It was the one. It was the movie that won the the big award that night, though. It did not walk away with the most Academy Awards. In fact, it only won three: Best Picture and what else?
1: Best Supporting Actress for she's so lovely. Oh, she is. Lupita Nyong'o. She's ugh. Oh. And best Adaptive screenplay.
0: Yes, well, uh, well deserved. Nyong'o, this is her film debut. She's one of, I think, uh, at least a dozen actresses to have won an Academy Award for her film debut, and it is uh, certainly one of the most powerful performances you will see. Any movie, it's it's so gut wrenching. What I
1: I jokingly say. The movie really could have been called like "It Sucks to Be Patsy."
0: Yeah, it it, it really could. Uh, th- all all the all the bad shit that Solomon G4, has to go through, just imagine that, but without the the hopefulness at the end. That's Patsy. That's Lupita Nyong'o. She has to go through that and worse because she's a uh, not only is she a slave, she is a slave woman, and that is just its whole and
1: a beautiful one
0: and. She's a gorgeous and talented actress, and uh, this is a very, very well-deserved win. It was nominated for six other awards, uh, and uh, what were they?
1: Best Actor for... I, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce his
0: name. a G4.
1: Okay.
0: But he eventually uh, he lost to Matthew McConaughey for Dallas Buyers. He Byers
1: did, War. but that... Was a stacked category. Oh
0: yeah, we're gonna talk about that. that. It was a hell of a year. <laughs> like that a-
1: one where it's literally just pick it out of a hat because yeah. every single person deserved it. Seriously, mm-hmm. uh, best supporting actor for Michael Fassbender,
0: yeah. to Jared Leto, also for Dallas Buyers five, Club. Five, five.
1: Also, another stacked category where sure. a lot of them deserved it. Uh, costume design, directing for Steve McQueen, who every time I hear his name, I can't help it. I still think of the actor.
0: I do. I I am always like, oh, Steve McQueen. I'm like, oh wait, Steve McQueen's not a British I'm like, guy. I he What's died. happening? <laughs>
1: um, film editing and best production design.
0: Uh it lost. Uh, yeah. Gravity was the big winner that night, taking home seven Academy Awards, mostly technical, but also picking up Best Director for Alfonso Cuarón. Uh, the first of the three, "quote unquote" three amigos to win Best Directing, he started he started a run which would include two for uh, Inaritu, and then finally last year for our boy uh Guillermo del Toro. Yay. So, yay! But uh man, that's a that's a There's a, there's a lot happening here. There's a, there's so much happening here. You can I see believe. why they would give like oh, costume design and production design. Like, yeah, of course it should be nominated. Those lo- they lost to Great Gatsby, actually. And literally production design and costumes were the only redeeming things about that. Hey, season. I liked that. I movie. did not like that. And I,
1: I it was a great. Ad- it was a very faithful ad- adaptation of the book.
0: It was fine. It, I loved to it. me, it, with the exception of a few small parts, it felt so lethargic, and the use of anachronistic music worked in Moulin Rouge. It, it to me it didn't work here. It it didn't work there. I'm a, I'm a bad but Leo. Me. But you know, Leo. Uh, I think that was one of the all time great introductions of a character. Stunning. Wow. Oh. Right. But, but
1: Carrie Mulligan is on my Keira Knightley list. I have an irrational hatred for Carrie Mulligan.
0: I love Carey. Okay, well, this Hate. is this is this is 2013. So we have some uh, yes. we have some issues and differing opinions on some of the films. <laughs> Twelve <laughs> Years okay. of slay did have to slay just a phenomenal amount of uh, other films that were nominated that year for Best Picture. What were they?
3: Captain Save
0: the Phillips. best for last. So. Okay, Captain Phillips.
1: I Club. am the best. I, I, you I save your best for in last. Order of me. Uh Captain Phillips, which I didn't see. Uh Nebraska, which I didn't see. Philomena, her Gravity. I'm out of order now. Yeah. The Dallas Buyers Club. The Wolf of Wall Wolf Street. Wolf of Wall
0: Street. Street. Yes.
1: And On
0: the Amy Thompson What Top One to Hundred?
1: Hustle, and two of those <sighs> movies are the most recent entries on the Amy Thomas and top 100 after this year there's no movies on the Amy Thomas and top 100 but there are two films from this year from this list that are on the Amy Thomas and top 100
0: American hustle Wolf of Wall Street yes so I would I would make a strong case for gravity and her certainly uh, sir, sir her is. Ve- very, I don't know. I don't know why Joaquin Phoenix did for best picture. I don't know. Uh, for for he best for best actor, a bunch of times. he's uh, it is a incredibly great movie. Uh, the first the first great Megan Ellison win. It's a Spike Jones film. You need to see a Spike Jones film. Oh, uh, yeah, he's great. Gravity. Uh, I think. Mm-mm. harrowing uh, no i i i love gravity that was my pick for best best movie that no Ooh. that was number that was my number 2 film for that year we'll talk about wow. our number one number gravity. one no, number one film was not nominated for best picture cuz they're terrible people can i uh, guess
1: which which movie that is yes. for you inside Lewin davis
0: no didn't see it until after until long after we'll talk about it. we'll talk about it it was nominated for something we'll we'll say but uh
1: not my favorite.
0: Not not your favorite. Okay.
1: It was all technical. The story—it's forgettable. No one remembers.
0: I love it now. the story. I love the story. It's a, yeah. like talk about talk about surviving the odds and and, and empowerment and whatnot. I thought it was oh. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. But you know what we can't agree on? Wolf of Wall Street. Seventy-year-old oh. Martin Scorsese coming in and showing, hey, all of you dumbass mumblecore kids making your shitty independent movies. Here's how you fucking do it. Oh, oh my this God. This movie, movie is so incredible. If you don't like this movie, I I don't want to be friends with you. I'm sorry. I don't. It's incredible. It's incredible.
1: Because it has everything. It's got the story. It's got the screenplay by Terrence Winters, who wrote for The Sopranos, which is the greatest TV show ever. The acting. The music. The camera angles. Everything. Oh God, I
0: love that movie so much. It's got so uh, much. it's got uh, what's her face, not wearing much, Margo, most of the
1: time. Margot Robbie. Yeah,
0: Margot Robbie. That's it. Oh, uh. <laughs>
1: that would yeah. be enough to get most guys in the theater.
0: And it and it, and it should have been. And it's got and it's got Leo being like top. This is this is this is this is during Leo's. I'm going to win an Oscar at one point, so I'm swinging for the Raptors. He's been
1: like that since he was a teenager, though.
0: Come yeah, on. Every, and,
1: He's amazing in everything he's in. He has his, movie roles that are more interesting than others, but, man, when he's allowed... Scorsese gives him the best stuff to
0: do. Yeah. It, it's It's so... The editing and energy in that film is unlike <sighs> anything I have seen. It's so... It's wild and just forceful and driven. It's it's like a coke party where everyone's invited and it's like the eight balls don't ever run out. It's it's wild and fun and it's a great story and it's a damning indictment of the audience and the people it's talking about. It's it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, and uh, I, we we can say now that. Uh, this, we are starting a sort of tetralogy of what it means to be America, starting with the most American thing of man. all. That is, of course, 12 Years of Slave. Uh, next week, we're going to, uh, you know, speaking of white saviors, we will be talking about Lincoln for your reconsideration. But since I'm forcing Amy to watch that movie, she's banging her head on her phone right now. We are then going to come back and watch. American Hustle, yay, and now I'm banging my head against the phone, and finally topping off with the most American of all things, and that is Unbridled Capitalism, and that is, of course, The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, 2013, what other movies came out that year that you were particularly fond of? We said it was a great year, pretty solid. It
1: really was. It really was. Uh, Blue Jasmine, which was one of my favorite movies from that year.
0: Mhm. Kate Blanchett picked up the uh, the win for best actress.
1: Yes, that one is also on the Amy Thomas. Kate
0: Blanchett basically deserves all the awards. She's.
1: Uh, August Osage County, which I really didn't like, but that was it's a well acted film, but I didn't care for the film right. itself. Just subject matter was gross. I hear
0: the play is fantastic, with the movie.
1: Yeah, it's. It's amazing. I just couldn't really stomach it. Uh, Before Midnight.
0: There you go. I've, ding, ding, ding. Number I've one.
1: Seen, I've seen none of those films.
0: Number one. Number to. one. Uh, no, this I'm is. Sure. You know what? There are many trilogies in, sci- in science fiction and fantasy. The Before series is the greatest trilogy of all time. How's I'm going to watch them. This I love all three of those films. I can't wait till they make a fourth. I hope they make a fourth. Please, God. Make
1: um, Inside and Davis by the Coen Brothers. Yep. Great. The Great Gatsby, which I'm the only person in America who actually really enjoyed that movie. Frozen, which we've already done our podcast on. Saving Mr. Banks.
0: Hey, Is that was someone about Emma
1: Thompson and Tom Hanks?
0: Yeah, how that sounds pretty
1: could, fun. How could audience members be so lucky? I love Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks. And uh, a movie from Denmark, which did not win Best Foreign Picture, The Hunt. Excellent film. I heard of that. It's uh, Michael Madsen, Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen, played... yeah. Yes, him. He is falsely accused of um, molesting. Yes. All and yes, I... mayhem ensues.
0: Some sort of mayhem ensues. But yes.
1: really harrowing, powerful movie.
0: Did did. Blockbuster wise, it was it was okay. You had uh, Iron Man three, great movie. I definitely think it's great. Star Trek Into Darkness, not so good. World War Z, which is honestly one of the. Uh, there are adaptations, and then there's just bug it. Whatever, it doesn't matter. We're just gonna throw the book out and. Make whatever we Are feel like. Are you
1: a fan of the book? It seems I love right the book.
0: I love the book. I think the it's book is great. It's written
1: by Mel Brooks's son. Yeah,
0: Max Brooks is a he's a solid dude. The movie is garbage. Surprisingly, you know what it is? It's Brad Pitt's most successful film. You go, know, Brad Pitt. I think oh, you're you're doing we'll you're doing come things back to wrong. Brad
1: Pitt later in the podcast. well, we
0: will get back to Brad Pitt. That's a little. We're just putting a putting a pin in that a little little pin. And uh, one of the most successful foreign films. Uh, I can remember "Blues the warmest Color" came out, which I have not seen, but here that is both uh, erotic, long, and very good, very very good, and in uh, a very under, very underseen action movie starring Tom Hanks, who I love. Oblivion. So you know we've covered the like the really good ones. I don't know if there's like things that are stand out. Certainly action movie wise, but solid year. All around, if only because it has before midnight, the third film in the four series. Again, cannot I, I cannot emphasize enough is a, just a wonderful, wonderful performance and uh, just great, just right. great. And I think that about does. Anything else to add for the uh, Academy Awards that year?
1: No, that is all for
0: me. Okay, that is all for me. So we are going to stop this conversation right now, take a break, and head on over on the other side. Talk about 12 years ago. Hey,
2: Bass. Oh, no, no, no. No shame in taking respite from the heat. Drink, shave, it's ungodly for travelers, hearty or otherwise. <laughs> if something rubs you wrongly. I offer you the opportunity to speak up. it. Yeah. Well, you ask plainly, so I will tell you plainly. What amused me just then was your concern for my well-being in this heat, when quite frankly, the condition of your laborers, condition of my laborers, it is horrid. What the hell? It's all wrong, all wrong, Mr. Epps. They ain't hired help. They're my property. You say that with pride. I say it as fact. If this conversation concerns what is factual and what is not, then it must be said that there is no justice nor righteousness in this slavery. What right have you to your niggers when you come down to the point? What right? Mm. I bought them. I paid for them. Of course you did, and the law says you have the right to hold a nigger. But begging the law's pardon, it lies. Suppose they pass a law, taking away your liberty, making you a slave. Suppose. That ain't a supposable case. Laws change, Epps. Universal truths are constant. It is a fact, a plain and simple fact, that what is true and right is true and right for all. White and black alike. You compare me to a nigger, Bass? I'm only asking in the eyes of God, what is the difference? Might as well ask what the difference is between a white man and a baboon. <laughs> i seen one of them critters in Orleans No, just as much as any nigger I got. Listen, Epps, these niggers are human beings. If they are allowed to climb no higher than brute animals, you and men like you will have to answer for it. There is an ill, Mr. Epps, a fearful ill, resting upon this nation. And there will be a day of reckoning yet. you like to hear yourself talk, Bass better than any man I know of. You'd argue that black was white or white-black, if anybody contradict you. fine supposition if you lived among Yankees in New England, but you don't. Most assuredly
0: do not. Amy, before we get to the movie, I did find my 2013 year in review. Off of my off my other Endeavor same night movie review. So, okay, I'm just gonna say movies I did not see at the not see at the time of the making of this list. Captain Phillips, Blue Jasmine, American Hustle. Even put yet, place beyond the pines, inside Lewin Davis, Nebraska. The O oh So Close, much ado about nothing. Yes, Joss Whedon made a movie in between the Avengers. It was actually pretty good. Fast and Furious six. I enjoy the hell out of the movie. Upstream Color, forgot that came out that year. Jane, the guy who directed Primer, Shane Carruth, came back with another very interesting science fiction film, Iron Man Three, Hobbit: The Desolation of Smog. Those are the ones that, yeah, they kind of, they almost made it. Uh, number ten, Dallas Bios Club. Number nine, The Spectacular Now, tied with The Way Way Back, two growing up movies. Eight, great, great foreign language film called Why Don't You Play in Hell? Oh my God, it's a, it's one of the, it's a movie for those who love movies. If you love really violent movies, fantastic. 12 Years a Slave made number seven. I forgot about that. Number six was her. Number five, another great documentary called The Act of Killing. Uh, One of the most harrowing experiences one could ever possibly have in a theater, this side of Salo. Four, Wolf of Wall Street. Okay, it was number four, it was number four. I know, Amy's so shocked right now. Number three is Gravity, okay. Loved it. Number two, the world's end. You, you know that one? No, Edgar Bond. Wright. Nope, nope, nope. Edgar Wright, uh, the Cornetto trilogy. No, Simon Pegg. No, okay. It's a it's science fiction alien invasion movie that's also about friendship and drinking. And number <laughs> one before <laughs> number one is before midnight. That was a very uh, dark
1: and violent year for you, looking at your uh, your best list.
0: There. The world's no, the world's end is actually. Hilarious. It's just wrapped in this small town like invasion of the Where were scenario. you? Where
1: were you mentally that year, my friends? Oh, was so not I'm thinking year. about it. If you're watching you
0: It can... was not a good year and I was in DC for most of it. Or some of it. So look at
1: that. I'm so intuitive. yeah
0: Anyways, uh so anyways, okay, that's just okay. Putting that aside, twelve years a uh, slave. What do you make of the opening shot? The very, the very first thing we see of Northrop and the other slaves looking blankly on as the overseer explains the task at hand. How does that make you feel?
1: A lot of the tone of the beginning of the movie, starting with the opening shot, was it was a very made me think of Terrence Malick.
0: Okay, a good thing or a bad thing?
1: Um, not really either. It, I, the entire beginning up until the credits was confusing, but it was very, like Terrence Malick, very dreamlike and very stream of conscious because it makes you wonder what's going on. Who are these people? They're there to cut sugar. And then. He has a strange sexual experience that's not very intimate at all with some woman that's laying next to him because it cuts and then it shows him touching the berries on his plate and there's a lot of imagery going on and it's very fast.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of to me desperate imagery. I ask about the very open, the very first shot because what I notice when looking at it is that they are doing their best looking at the camera not looking at the camera mm-hmm. face. And because it's just, it's front, it's head on, mm-hmm. it's, okay, who are they looking at? They're not looking at the overseer. They're not looking at the guy who's telling them what they're doing. They are looking at us, the audience. And so it immediately becomes clear that these are black faces. And we are in a movie called 12 Years a Slave, so we can kind of, we're going to put two and two together and say that they're probably slaves right now. And that we, the audience, who let's face it, probably mostly white, we are now officially on notice in that we should be, uh, this film will be talking to us directly. I think that is actually a brilliant way to begin a piece. It's bold, and if the film were not as uh, well put together as it was, I think it could be seen as trite and manipulative. But here, Given the subject matter, we give it more of a pass because, you know, Whitey needs to be put on notice every now and then, and this is the film to do it. Now, for the rest of the rest of the opening, I actually like that 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 dreamlike state that shows the, the desperate times. The sexual encounter that Solomon has with that 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 slave woman is great because it is not born of any intimacy or love; it's born of just need to feel something. Like she starts crying afterwards, just because you need to feel something that's gin, that's loving, and you know, even something that's close to comforting. And, and that, even that and is that robbed release, from that.
1: that need for that release and to yeah. feel like a human being again, instead of a piece of chattel.
0: Yeah, it's like you, you when you're reduced to this, you have to. Find comfort and your humanity wherever you can, wherever you can find it. Find it. Now, uh, does the film waste any time getting to its point, getting Solomon shipped off to the South?
1: No. He spends very little time with this. You see him very little with his family and um, his children. It very quickly establishes who he is. He's a violin player. The wife's leaving. She's taking the kids. He's going to be alone for three days. Bam.
0: Three weeks. Three. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do we get a good sense of Solomon before he is captured? And follow-up question, does it matter?
1: You get enough that you know – I mean it says it says he's in Saratoga, which by the way, shout out Saratoga. It's such a great city. I
0: love Saratoga.
1: Such a great city. Um, but you definitely see the differences when they go to the store and it's, oh, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Northrop, and how they're treated by the clerk at the store. And then there's the other – this guy I couldn't figure out. The other black man that comes in the store, and his—I don't know if he was a slave because they lived in New York—but his boss comes in and is like, "Get out of the store! Stop talking to these people!" and pulls him out.
0: I'm not up on my what was slave free and what was not slave free territory. I mean, they it could have been New
1: York, but he seems like he was a slave.
0: Right. And so And at the very at the very least he was looked at it with suspicion.
1: Yes, and so you definitely saw the difference between the Northrop's are clearly free, they're respected, they have a good position, they're obviously educated, they're very well spoken, they're very well dressed, they're mm-hmm. married because they love each other, and then you definitely and then you instantly see the opposite, which is this well, Jasper, li- I believe. Jasper who comes in and is treated He's treated like a slave even though we don't really get his whole story.
0: Right. I, I believe that scene actually happens later on. It's a bit of a flashback as he's remembering uh times.
1: It's funny, but, but I thought it was yeah. at the beginning when they're buying the bagger whatever that the wife needs.
0: No, no. I th- I think it's when he was, when he's sent on the in the errand to uh get stuff from the from the from the, from the, uh, the general store. Oh, okay. Uh, that 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 he remembers he remembers going in here and having a very different experience and that's what, what it was about it's a, it's a very different experience that um, the country is ha- is currently having heading towards heading towards destruction um, some people would describe this movie as a misery tour of the antebellum south uh What would you say to that? What would you say to that? Like, is it just about showing us the worst part of humanity?
1: I could definitely see people taking that perspective. One of the things, speaking of that scene that we just watched that it showed me that I didn't know is that you don't think about when you think about the civil war, you really do think about most of this movie. You think about Michael Fassbender, you are sort of when I was raised and learning about it. I assumed every single slave owner was like Michael Fassbender. All they right. did was like rape and beat, and that's it. I didn't think about blacks that were living up north who were educated and you know had these pretty happy lives. Um, so that was kind of eye opening for me. Um. I think the movie's very heavy on the misery because you don't really see a lot of benevolent slave masters. Mm-hmm. And
0: you get you get some in Cumberbatch. You see him a little bit, but he's, he's gone kind of in a blank, hot
1: He's a little bit of a wanker.
0: Well, would you? I mean, True, I'd rather. I mean,
1: <laughs> Michael Fassbender plays. He and the guy from Schindler's List would be like BFF. Like they would be standing on the little thing together, shooting it. Jewish and black people. Because he's crazy. He's crazy.
0: He's Drunk on power. But. Certainly. Uh, privilege.
1: Yeah. And the one thing is, is that. I, mean, I never understood about why people beat slaves as if this is your property and you paid a lot of money for them. Why would you beat them so much? Because then they're not going to work as hard. They're like going to be able to work as hard. I don't know. But.
0: Uh, what. If, my family wasn't okay, in the country at the time. <laughs> yeah. Was but uh, our, our 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 whiteness certainly was our whiteness certainly was. The thing about the the misery tour part is that yet yeah, it's this is meant to be a movie that forces you to watch. There are there's the paddling scene at the beginning when Northrop is first taken that it just stays it and you hear you see every crack. The paddle on Northrop's back so much so that the paddle breaks and the guy then goes and gets the belt and starts starts whipping him, beating him. And it just lingers. It forces you to watch. And later on, there's a whipping scene of Patsy, which oh, which is one of the which is one of the I didn't realize it is it is done in a single take. That is it, the camera's just 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 moving around though. It's so it's like all happening. It's watching
1: a snuff film. That was awful. It, it
0: is. It is. But and were it, were it. Honestly, like if this were just ha- if this were just a Mel Gibson movie, which most of them are, like it would be the Passion of the Christ. Like that is the same thing. We're just watching Jesus get beaten for two and a half hours. And I actually enjoy the Passion of the Christ for uh, like honestly for all of, like the smaller moments in between all of that. It's a very good movie. Mel Gibson for all of being a shitty human being makes good movies. Uh but this, you know, but this. The the torture, the forcing us to watch is the point of the movie. I think Steve McQueen and John really feel the need, uh, nay, the passion to kind of uh, make us uncomfortable. Art is supposed to, uh, you know, distress the comfort, comfort or comforted or whatever. And this is this is this is making us do it. this, is making us go that. Slavery is not something that we read about in textbooks and that it's, you know, it's overcome by seeing kumbaya because well, it, wasn't, it wasn't all that bad. It was bad. It was horrible. And people could just do this to another person and no one would do anything about it. And that makes it, uh, this, that, that's what makes it an important movie. But does it make it a particularly compelling movie at times? I think I think where where it where it falters is the character of Northrop himself. We establish him quickly, but then he's just kind of there. He's not do you think Northrop is a character that grows in any significant way, or is he simply there to observe all that we see? And because you've read the book, is does he go through any great change in the book that we either see, we do not see or that maybe I missed?
1: I think that that's a weakness in the film. And I think that's why when I watched the movie, I thought it, it won the best picture more for what it was about than the actual greatness of the movie. Because I think we are supposed to go on Solomon's journey and – since we don't know much about his backgrounds, we don't know if he had, you know, how long he'd been living up north. We don't know if maybe he was a slave that bought his freedom and that's – and he's only been north for like five years. Had he ever been a slave before?
0: I got the impression that he was a – he was a, he was born, a
1: free, born man. a free man. You get the impression though.
0: Yeah. You yes. know what
1: I mean? We don't know. Like maybe he's heard stories from his dad, you know, who was a slave. So it's hard to know, but you assume that this is his first time seeing all these things. The other thing about it is I feel like a lot of what we've seen, we've seen done before. And it is a compelling story because it is true, but the scene where they're beating him and they're like, you're a slave and your name is Platt. Instantly I was like, oh, this is just like in Roots where they're beating Kinte to say that he's Toby. So I don't know if it's a fault of the movie, but part of me was like, I've seen this scene already in a different movie. Mm. Not as graphic because it was, what, the early 80s. But at the same time, I'm like, I've kind of seen this already. And even even the whipping scene with Patsy, and I, and I realize I sound like such a privileged, heartless person for saying this. But I was like, here's the almost obligatory scene of her getting raped of course she's going to get whipped. And of course it's going to be awful to watch because I've seen this happen in every single other slave movie. So it didn't really, and again, I'm not saying that what they experienced wasn't awful because it, it was, it's, it obviously, I mean, like it literally made me like physically ill, but it didn't bring anything new to the table as far as storytelling goes. And everybody, like I said, take this with a gigantic grain of salt. But that scene with I, – I was too distracted during that opening beating scene to thinking, oh, this is just like that other movie I saw, just like in Roots. And <laughs> yeah. if a movie is really effective, you're not going to constantly be thinking about, oh, that's like in this other movie that I saw. Oh, this reminds me of the scene in Django when this happened. And when my brain is doing that – it takes away from the power of the moment.
0: Okay, okay. On reflection, because we, you know, we are can't really change how we react in the moment. But on reflection, does the film *12 Years a Slave* does it have to do something new to the slave story narrative to be effective, or does the fact that it is showing things we've seen before? I agree. We've seen this happen in *Roots*. We've seen it happen in glory in any number of films, is the fact that it's not new representative of the experience that not just Solomon, but every slave went through. And for the record, th- at this point, Solomon basically is every slave that ever went through this. He's the, he's the entire encapsulation of the experience of every slave. or should it be faulted because it doesn't really tr- attempt anything new as well like should, should like should does every does everything have to be something new under the sun or can it just be an old story told well
1: it wasn't it it is an old story told well
0: literally it, actually
1: and it's a true story so that's great and it definitely had that going for it um But for me to be best picture, to really stand out, and it's, like I said, it's interesting because it's a true story. It's interesting because this guy got out of slavery. It's interesting that this was a grown man who was black, who, during the time of slavery, who married a woman he loves, who has children that he loves, who has this whole nice life. And... That element isn't something I think most people think about it. So that's kind of where I think some of the freshness comes. But when you mention Glory, Glory also based on a true story, but a much more powerful film.
0: Of course, I look forward to talking about Glory. are finding an excuse to talk about Glory. You know but what
1: I mean? And that was that's very quick side note. That's on the should have been a contender list.
0: Yes. But Agreed. Be, but that's a that's a 1989 movie, and we're gonna but it we're gonna be oh for right while. here,
1: but. But Glory was such a powerful film because, again, it was a true story, but it wasn't powerful because it was a true story. It was because it's this black regiment, and, oh, I never even knew that there was one. And the story and the way that those characters grow and change – in Glory, the characters seemed like human beings. They seemed like flesh, blood. All of them had such strong personalities, and they grow, and they change. Denzel Washington – Morgan Freeman and Morgan Freeman in that and how they're two people and you know, they have differences in opinions about about their race and about that. And that's really interesting and compelling. And I feel like in Twelve Years a Slave, all of the slaves seemed like stock characters. I don't feel like any of them were well developed. And as wonderful as Lupita Nyongo is, her character to me kinda seemed very like She's the pretty one who gets raped and beaten. Mm. And that's pretty much it. We don't really know anything else about her. I wish they had gone into more detail with the um, Alfrey Woodard character. Yes,
0: because she was fascinating very,
1: Because you had a very quickly, I mean, she's in that little tiny little short scene, and you very quickly were like, oh, okay. Uh, she's in a higher station. She's married to the master of the house. That's all we know. And then her scene's done. Yeah. And that's an it, interesting story. That's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Make a movie about her. That's interesting.
0: One of my notes here is that uh 4 is he's great in this. He has to he endures a DiCaprio-esque level of punishment in this, both mental and in fact physical. But he is also, by all accounts, the least interesting character because he he stands. He's never quite a part of it. I don't think he ever truly embraces his new life. Which I, I feel like, if they had, if they, if they had done more about him finally going, well, this this is it, as opposed to the one scene where he finally starts singing, it would be a little more effective to see him finally get rescued. But everyone else in this movie is way more interesting. Patsy is more interesting. And
1: yet we don't know a lot about her.
0: And we yeah, we don't know a lot about her. But you know, just, just just by virtue of the character archetype, as it were, she's immediately immediately more interesting because of I guess also the amount of shit she has to go through with another more interesting character, and that is Michael Fassbender, who is the epitome of weak but privileged, so therefore powerful white guy, uh who and Fass is Fass is uh, he's fucking crazy. He's he he's is. A, he's a he's a mad dog in this. He's and it's more fascinating to watch. He's, he's I love fascinating watching.
1: Fascinating to watch. I disagree that he was an interesting character. He, I was, he was. I felt very... like he was just a stock character. I think his wife was more interesting than he was. Michael Fassbender. Okay. Like,
0: yes. Sarah Paulson was she great. She plays. Yes.
1: I mean, you have Lupita Nyong'o. It's like she's the victim, and her life sucks. And this is all we know about her. We have Solomon Northup, and his life is terrible too. We have Michael Fassbender, and he's evil and sadistic, and that's it. There's okay. nothing else okay. about him. He's just crazy and mean. So he's more entertaining because he he has more flash, kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio in Django.
0: Yeah, where, he also has a little more agency.
1: Yeah, he has more agency. He gets to be. I mean, he gets to really stretch those acting muscles and be crazy and wild. But his characters again, very... I'm evil and sadistic, and that's it. That's all there is to my character. And I feel like with characters like that, there are times you can add depth. It, he reminded me so much of Ray Fiennes' character in Schindler's List. Patsy reminded me of the char- the Jewish woman, Helen. Helen, Helen Hirsch. Yeah. And yet, I feel like it was better done in Schindler's List. Because... Goethe, just as crazy and just as sadistic, right. but if you'll remember it, I'm very quickly going to remind you of the scene. There's a scene in Schindler's List with Helen and Goethe where she's like in a basement and she's like wet, and he's walking right. around her and he's talking to her, and she doesn't talk at all, but I feel like that scene was much more gripping because I literally found myself holding my breath, and I remember seeing it, and he's talking to her and he's like, you know, it's the rest of the world. It's not us. And he's talking and it's like, it's like seductive and you hate yourself for feeling that way. Cause he's very pulling you in and almost charming. And then he turns on a dime and starts beating her. Reminded me a little bit of the Fassbender Patsy scene, except much more just, I'm going to beat you and rape you. That's it. Cause that's all I do. And you're, and you're a victim. And that's all that you are.
0: But the, but the, the, there is a sense of I think Fassbender and we, and we see that we see it with Patsy and with his actual wife Sarah Paulson. Fassbender really does care about Patsy. I think at one point you know he says you know if you go up against Patsy, my wife, you are going to lose. And so and so yeah. I, I, he does he does I think he loves Patsy in a way that a kid really loves a toy. Yeah. Something that's his and that and that that to me is is interesting because it's not a toy we're talking about and it's it's harrowing but yes right, he is he is um and that he evil st- and us. he is evil and statistic because he can be because he feel like if he feels like he like that's that is his right as a white guy in the south
1: and that and, she's god's gift to him yeah. See if yeah. you know what she could have done. She just needed to pick her 200 pounds or whatever of cotton, fly under pounds. the radar. That's
0: yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She did. Right. She, yeah, she needed like you gotta scale back, Patsy. He's gotta back. seriously. That's a lot of. That's
1: Especially lot considering of she looks like if a wind blew, she'd blow away.
0: Well, I think it's more about speed and nimble fingers. I don't know. She's I've never picked cotton. We have the mill. Con- no, we have the that. Um But you know, you know what? Okay, an interesting character in that in that relationship, Sarah Paulson. Uh, there's a thing I always go where I look at, literally any woman who votes for Republicans or is a Republican, and I go, "What are you doing? What? Why are you doing that?" And then, but and, and I watch watch I watch this movie and go, "Oh, Sarah Paulson would totally be a Republican." In this movie, in the movie, I was smi- like, "What?" In really
1: yeah. nice. like <laughs> she's like a lesbian,
0: and oh yeah, yeah, I know. But her her character, her, her character is the is the wife. She's she's, she's married to my. She is amazing.
1: She was, an
0: and she doesn't. She character. does not have that many scenes, and she's yeah. You're right. She's great because she is. uh she's a white woman in the south, and that's basically one step up from a slave at. This white, point in time,
1: the wife of a white landowner, but she was at the top of the pyramid because then you've got the poor white trash, then you've got the blacks on the bottom.
0: Little, right, yeah. So, but you know, you know, she couldn't control her her man and his desires, and so her power, her struggle for to retain power over Patsy and wrestle it from hmm. Fassbender is really fascinating. It is a like she is an incredibly interesting character because she becomes like she's a sadistic uh in- inhuman brat as well. She's like, you know, you w- you whip this slave and show them that, you know, you know, don't don't make them unman you and uh, oh, like she oh tells he's oh, he's oh she's him. just oh it's uh she's a great character and Sarah Paulson so lovely. You're like oh Oh, Because I've seen not, her not play all of here. these
1: strong underdog female characters.
0: And, and here, this is technically another strong underdog female character. But given the circumstances of her her life, this is how she exerts that she power. Has a,
1: she has a terrible life.
0: Oh, yeah. she oh, It's terrible. I would. Yet, I, I, I...
1: And you never side with her.
0: Like no, no, of course
1: Fassbender, not. Unlike you see where she's coming from. It's totally right. There's wrong. A... Side note, like disclaimer, she's a thousand percent wrong. She's evil. She's awful. However, unlike Fassbender, you you can follow where her mind is going with this.
0: Yeah, she, you 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 uh, you understand it from a uh, sense yeah. of survival. F Fassbender is kind of he's id and ego just released. Upon the world, really Sarah, Paulson, she, Sarah Paulson. Sarah has platform. to pick her battles. She has. She has to think about things a bit more. It makes her more interesting. What do you make of Benedict Cumberbatch, who is the kind slave owner? And even that phrase, "kind slave owner," what do we make of that in uh, in in this day and age? Even the movie addresses it. Like, oh, well, yeah, he's a he's a kind man. Well, he's a slave owner. What is that? What does that actually mean to be a, to be a kind man in the situation?
1: But according to people that live in the South, that's how most slave owners were. I'm telling you what I've heard. This is an, again, I okay. am not, I am not defending slavery, but I'm saying that, like they, they still have that romanticized version, um, vision of antebellum South, still.
0: And, and, and in I twenty years, we're going to go to Trump. Ladies and country, gentlemen, and I
1: present Paula Deen. Okay.
0: Sure.
1: That everything was beautiful and that um, most of the slave owners were like – according to them, most of the slave owners were like Benedict Cumberbatch. And in reality, that not everyone did because it was extremely expensive to own land and have slaves. That there was a big portion of the South that did not own land, and they were the poorer underlings. But – he was interesting. I didn't care for his character. He was kind of a wank. I liked that he wanted to buy the daughter for that female slave. Which that scene Love. in the book, that scene was the one that really gutted me the most. And that Paul Giamatti when he said, like, No, we're gonna sell her off as a prostitute. We'll make a lot of money. She's pretty and you're like, Oh,
0: oh Paul Giamatti, you're the worst, but you're you're so good at this But that
1: scene playing me, this guy that scene to me was more painful than even watching Patsy get whipped Okay. because, Yeah, I, I, because again, because a, I've seen, I've seen those scenes so many times and maybe you become desensitized to it, but you know, Oh, she's beautiful. Of course she's going to get raped. Of course she's going to get whipped because that's what happened. And you, you've seen it and it's awful, but the scene with the wanting her daughter to be with her and the guy offering to, to buy her and you know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> So close, just,
0: so close. Yeah, they're there. They found each other. And yeah. As uh, obviously in 2013, I was not a dad, but watching this this past week, I went, "Oh no, please don't separate the mom and please, like let the parent, let the family stay together, please." But, it's that, it's uh, that was that it. Was a thing that happened literally all the time. And,
1: yeah, and it did. But that yeah. that's a scene you don't see in every movie, and that's I think why that scene was so effective and memorable.
0: Yeah. It's and and you have Cumberbatch who. Is you can, he's clearly at war. He's like, well, I need the enslaved. I can't get this, and he he does feel bad. But as with a lot of like I, I know I have I felt like this when presented with you know with situation where you you feel bad, but you feel like there's nothing you can do because it's all so much bigger than you. Like this is it, this is not just the separating the mother and the and the daughter. This is the entire system of governance and the way the world is and i can't rebel against that so i should i should do what good i can even if that good feels tainted somehow because i am still actively participating in this uh like i don't like i don't i don't know i don't understand why he doesn't just like hire workers you can hire you can hire a shitty guy like garrett dillahunt who's gonna backstab the geofor that's just get a bunch of him. And look at what it's people fine. and
1: look at what people were doing in in New York. They were hiring immigrants and basically pay, paying them slave wages.
0: Seriously. Come on. Yeah, we, it's we, like we, they we didn't care. We brought we brought we brought a yeah, slave wages, slave. It's, like, it's, it's, fine. it's much whatever. Cheaper. It's, it's
1: probably much cheaper to hire an immigrant as Oh,
0: and family. you know and you know it didn't you know it didn't happen after after slavery. The the economy did not utterly collapse and everyone was in ruin. Oh, it was fine eventually after reconstruction whatever whatever uh you know here's a, here's a, uh you know it's talking very seriously about weighty issues here's here's a fun thing is it ever not fun is it never not fun to see paul dano get his ass beaten
1: no and i said you, know, you the we're gonna have to put that on but yes i don't know what is more satisfying him getting his ass kicked in this or him getting his ass kicked in There Will Be Blood. But both times I was like woo! And I think I
0: actually
1: <laughs> yeah. did that. I did a little woo and pumped my fists.
0: I think I like seeing his get seeing him get his ass beat in this movie more cuz uh his characters are more interesting in There Will Be Blood and you can kind of see where he's going. And also also uh Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood. <laughs> Terrible human. He and Fastbender would totally hang out. Absolutely. But well, one is far but, more so,
1: likable and charming than the other.
0: Oh yeah. Oh oh, absolutely, absolutely. But so, but seeing Paul because Paul Dano gets beaten beaten up by Northrop here, and you're like, oh, like yay, some righteous it's righteous like, beatdown. It's like
1: watching Sydney Poitier smack that guy in, um, in, uh,
0: in the heat of the night. In the heat of the
1: night. Yeah. Oh it, it, yeah, it is. I'm like, you're like yeah, take that sucker.
0: Yeah, but you know it, it it ends badly, but not. I mean, it does end badly because he ends up, Northrop ends up getting so like his mortgage on him gets sold to Michael well, what Faster, about and I'm that like Jesus Christ! Hung have, kind oh, the, yeah, and that in that scene day? that scene was traumatic because uh, folks, if you don't remember, it's the scene where Northrop he is he's hung, but he's not he's not hanged. So his feet are dangling on the ground, it's and close. he's just stretched enough, and all he does is he just. Balancing on his tiptoes for a, a minute, two minutes, while everyone else around him go, goes about their business. And real slow. And, they're just
1: like yeah, do, real do, 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 slow. Do, whistling. Yeah, and, it's hey, it's going
0: it's on? one of those, it's 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 a scene where uh, like a New Yorker might experience a scene where you see uh, a homeless person who may look in trouble, and you just pass by him. I know I have I have experienced that. Because again, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And there are a lot of things that I that I can do, and I shamefully admit that I have not done them. But what are these? What are these slaves going to do? If they cut them down, there's going to be hell to pay. So they have to wait for a Cumberbatch to get back, and cut them down, and, and whatnot. And it's um, it's a, it's another one of those scenes where you just like, I get it, I get it. I'm uncomfortable. You're winning. Just Please. But
1: again, a more powerful scene than just Patsy getting whipped. You know what I mean? Like like all the yeah. scenes that really stand out to me aren't the really brutal scenes because we've seen so much of that. It's him getting hanged, and that is so much more torturous to watch and awful. Oh, and Cumberbatch's wife. She's like, oh, you couldn't get your daughter. That's too bad. And then the next day is like, God, stop crying. Crying about it, get over uh, it. And you're like, "Dude, really?" She's like, "Well, you'll really you'll soon forget about her." And you're like, "Yeah, what? that was a
0: just an offhand <laughs> comment." You're like, "Oh man."
1: But in her it's brain, terrible. she's like being compassionate.
0: Well, yeah, well, because in her brain, these people still look down at the, the black the black folk yeah, as she's still not fluke. not people. they are like, you're you're it's whatever. You just have another one, like, like bitch. Don't tell me that. <laughs> Don't tell somebody that. That's I know. It's a, ter- it's a terrible thing. There are all these little it's little things. It's the having to give a tag, so Solomon can can go to the grocer, you know, without fear of getting attacked or, or hung in the woods. Like it's you're right. It's the quiet things that happen in the movie that are more effective. It's seeing the it's he comes upon the lyn- the lynching party, and they're like just yeah, move along. Ain't nothing to see here. But that's more yes. effective than the just the relentless exactly. beating The relentless brutality.
1: Of it. Um the, the having to dance oh, and then not giving Patsy soap. That
0: Yeah, that was tough. The like and the dancing and the cookie and the not giving Patsy a cookie and and all these these little the these little bullshit cakes. things because because we don't experience you and I do not experience the 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 level of violence and torture so maybe we can't relate to it i understand that it it does happen not to this extent it does happen there are you know every every day somebody gets shot and, and and beaten it's it's horrendous but it's outside of our experience but it's these little things it's these little the little transgressions not giving somebody something saying this saying this or that to them that really drives home the point that not not much has changed. and I think that's what the movie is trying to say. All right. Amy, we have come. We have to address it. The great white elephant in the room. Brad Pitt. Ugh. Brad Pitt with a Quaker beard comes in. He is a hired hand helping to build a gazebo on Fassbender's land. And he is the great white savior. What do you think about this?
1: First of all, the Great White Savior is probably my least favorite movie trope.
0: Mhm. Okay.
1: And I remember watching it with my husband, and I don't think it's physically possible for someone's eyes to roll back in their head as far as his did. The fact that Brad Pitt produced the movie and then chose to play the Great White Hope is like, I mean, I think my, I mean, and it totally like ruined the momentum of our involvement in the film. It was like we had to pause it and be like, oh my God, (laughs) of course he's playing the savior because he's Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt is just the greatest savior of all. Like, hire someone else to play Brad Pitt. I don't need it to be you. Like, oh, that just totally ruined that whole scene in the movie for me. Okay. I get it. Yes, it's based on a true story. Got it. Yes, this character did actually do that. True. Yes, there were white people who were abolitionists and got people out of slavery. Got Especially
0: it. Especially the Quakers.
1: Did it have to be Brad Pitt? No.
0: Okay, so, you, so you're so you taking offense at the fact that it's Brad Pitt not that it's a white savior character in no.
1: I can't argue with it because that's what actually happened historically so and how else was he gonna do what he needed to do i mean he wasn't even allowed a- to even when he went to get patsy he almost lost his life because Foster yeah. was like "Were you talking with her You looks like you were having a conversation what's up with that why were you talking to her and he's like going psychotic so obviously they're not gonna let the black the slaves go and like you know write letters and all those kinds of things so he did need brad pitt he had just heard brad pitt give that whole speech about how slavery is evil and it's gonna eventually stop so it was a safe bet right but it still irked me and it's so it's (laughs) silly but it really bothered me and I think if maybe they'd Paul Giamatti play that part, maybe then I just would have been like, oh, what an interesting scene. But with Brad Pitt, yeah. you're like, of course, Brad Pitt's gonna play this character.
0: come up. Paul Giamatti's not making any anytime soon. <laughs> like, no, no, no. no. Uh, yeah. That was actually my question: is that could the film have gone in any other direction? It's like, no. could we have not had Brad Pitt? I like, everyone was so like upset about it. But watching it again the second time, I'm like. Well, you want him to blow the house up like Django like that's not really like oh, that love- would be satisfying as hell don't uh, get me wrong but like that's not really how the movie no goes and like it, and like you're saying like okay so that was actually part of the story the historical record like yeah. okay I it, it makes more sense I am more okay with it now than I was before because but it does it does come out of where it's 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 another stop on the train of all right well we've seen shitty white people we've seen okay white people we've seen really shitty white people we've seen all of these archetypes and now finally we have this guy who at the very end comes in and saves the day it's basically it's a pamphlet
1: the for the abolitionist movement and yes. again his character yes he did something amazing and based on true character but again archetype not a real fleshed out character He Pretty
0: much was a was a pamphlet. Yeah, played by that's Mr. the, thing about Hollywood the movie.
1: Golden the
0: Boy. Boy, yeah, this yeah that's the thing about the movie is that it's it wants to say spend so much time on. It, no, it wants to say so much that it can't spend enough time on a lot of things, so it has to resort to the, to the archetypes. Has to like okay, we need to wait, we need to hit this chapter, this chapter, this chapter, this chapter, this chapter, and it is still effective. I think this is still a very effective movie. Watching it five years later, I am struck by how tight the knot in my stomach was, and how I just had to look away during some of some of the scenes, even some of the quieter scenes. As mentioned, the hanging scene, hanging scenes, for instance. Patsy
1: getting whipped was more brutal for me the second time I watched it. Yeah. I mean, I really was was like, honestly, about to throw up, and I really thought, my God, how much longer is this scene going to last?
0: Yeah, and I thought, yeah, that girl earned her Oscar, I wish she could have earned it another way. And but I can't imagine them, yeah, it.
1: and it's like, and, and just imagining her, like, after watching her, like, get raped by Fossbender and, like, choked and smacked in the face, it was hard to imagine the director being like, cut, hey, good job, let's go get some water, you
0: know? <laughs> right, yeah. It's um... How
1: would you transition from that to, like, oh, let's go back to our trailer and uh, have a cup of coffee and a cigarette or whatever, <laughs> like...
0: I guess that's why they're actors, and we're yeah, podcasters.
1: I, I I couldn't imagine it that way. I was just like, that must have been so weird to, to to shoot a scene like that emotionally.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's it was tough all around for everybody. For those making, I mean, for those who lived through it, for Solomon, for those who made the film, for us watching it as well. And I think that I think the fact that it is uncomfortable and. To say important and because it's about a very charged issue is the reason why it won best pitcher so the question now to us is did 12 years a slave deserve to win best pitcher at the academy Awards? no no okay why
1: um just basically a recap of what i said um Yes, it was a well-made movie. Yes, it's an important movie. The good thing about it winning the Academy Award is that hopefully it made more people go out and see it than to kind Uh, of become aware in the story. And it is a fascinating story. I had never, ever heard of this. Ever. So that was really interesting. As far as best movie of the year, though, that was a rough year. And I could think of, like, five other movies that year. That should have won over this. Two in particular. One I know is ne- negotiable, but I don't. I feel like a lot of the most interesting aspects of the film were underdeveloped. I think like Alfre Woodard, I would have loved more time d- dedicated to her. I think she was fascinating. I wanted to know more about her, but it was like, eh, who cares about that? Let's get to. I think it spent too long on certain scenes and not enough on other scenes. And there really was too many stock characters, so I couldn't really get super invested And a lot of them. I remember feeling at the end, I feel like emotionally it didn't hit me the way that it was supposed to. And I don't know if that was a weakness in the film or, like, my weakness as a human being. But when he finally gets his freedom at the end, when the guys come and are like, hey, like, we're getting you out of here, instead of feeling like, oh, my gosh, that's wonderful. All I could think about is, but what about – but Patsy, what about her? Get her out. She needs this. So I couldn't, I couldn't reach that emotional level because I was still so sad about Patsy. Yeah. And I, and I wasn't as moved by the end as I feel like I was supposed to be. And I don't know why that was again. I don't know if it's a failing on my part as a human being or a failure on the movie. But even when he got reunited with his family, I was like, Oh, but it was so different than like in the color purple when Celie gets reunited with her children after a long time. You know what I mean? Like I've seen a lot of these elements in other films and I've seen them done more effectively than it was in this movie. Does that make sense?
0: It does make sense. Like the the
1: Kunta Kinte, I'm Toby, I'm Kunta Kinte. That is, everyone remembers that. If you tell anybody, oh, Hey, the movie roots, they're gonna be like, Oh, Toby, Kunta Kinte. Like that whole scene.
0: Yeah. So, you don't even have to see, have seen Roots to know that. Yeah,
1: and you have to, you have to seen it. But like, I feel like I've seen so many of the elements that they focused on in other places, and that I would have liked more Alfred Woodard. I would have liked more about the Quaker guy, maybe. Um, things like that.
0: And earlier, there were
1: some other really kick ass movies that year that just literally blew me away.
0: That's great. Including Kick Ass, too, actually. It's a fun, fun little movie, speaking of kick-ass. Um, I would agree that I am not convinced that this is the best movie of 2013. Is it the most important movie of 2013? It's up. It's up. It might be number one. Blue I is the Warmest color, color was also a very important movie that year, etc. But for the most part, in talking, talking to America and our problems, 12 Years of Slave is the most important movie of the year. I think there are better films. We've talked about a bunch of them. Some were nominated. Some were not. But um, as with the Tony Awards, as with a lot of award shows these days, sometimes you have to speak to the zeitgeist. Sometimes, you know, we do. It's not what is the best picture of all time that came out in this year. It is what is the best Picture that represents this particular year, 2013, and given that logic, considering that it's more than just the artistic merits of the movie, it's how it's marketed, it's how it has impacted the cultural zeitgeist. I get why "12 Years a Slave" won. Would I? Would I personally give it give the award to "12 Years a Slave"? No, but I understand.
1: Yeah. So not a monster i mean i get i understand why it won and there are yeah. and there, of-
0: there are there are great there are things to like in this movie. there are things to love and it brought to attention there
1: some really great actors i had never heard of either Lapita nyong'o or the man who played solomon northup ever so i'm hoping well
0: nobody me had me heard of Lupita nyong'o, Lupita nyong'o at that point this is her first movie and chiotelo 4. if you've not seen the movie serenity with Joss, written and directed by Joss Whedon. You should. He is amazing. But it brought
1: yeah. these actors like, out, and I think that that's, that's wonderful, that now these people... It's... Lupita Nyong'o was on an episode of Sesame Street
0: Oh. Where they, where they
1: were talking about skin color, and she was talking to Elmo about skin color, and the whole time I'm watching it with my son, I have this smile on my face, and she's like, hello, Elmo, and I was like, hello, Lupita, and <laughs> He's like, you have such oh, pretty good. skin. Oh, it's the cutest thing ever. I'm like, ah, oh, is it? Im- you have to love this woman. She's just amazing that's and good. glorious.
0: Yeah, but do you have to love the movie, not necessarily. But I mean, it did win, so we do have to talk about it. Again, there were be- there were better better films that year, but perhaps none none more important than True. this.
1: I agree with
0: that. You have been listening to the Oscar watch podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you do not like what you have heard, or if you do like what you have heard, please drop us a line at Oscar at gmail.com. We'd love hearing from you and be sure to find us on social media at Oscar Next week we continue our all about America. Speaking of great white hopes. The 2012 Best Picture nominee. Oh my God, Amy is so mad about this. Lincoln, directed by Steven Spielberg, starring the one and only Daniel Day Lewis. I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to having this conversation with Amy. Who's just gonna kind of drunk the whole time, I assume. Uh, Amy, where can folks find you if they want to commiserate in the, the, your <laughs> hatred of Lincoln?
1: At a thomas and eleven on Twitter or on our Facebook page.
0: Okay, do write us. We love having conversation with we you do. folks. And until next time, we'll see you on the red carpet.